Most, if not all of us, have been invited to, to dinner sometime uh, by someone, to someone's house. And uh, usually what I've noticed is when you're invited to someone's house for dinner, you usually respond this way, if you accept it, that is. If someone asks you to come over to, for dinner, you usually say, well, can I bring uh, a side <clears throat> or uh, some drinks or maybe a dessert you know, to add to the meal? And then the host says, no, you just come, everything's been taken care of, we just want to have you over for dinner. And then maybe you go and you have dinner with this family, and then after the dinner, you may say this, you may say, well, we're going to have you over next time at our house, okay, we're going to, we want to have you over. And that's fine, and that's just showing kindness, we want to, you know, we know it's expensive to pay for a lot of people to eat, but we all know there, there are times where it would be inappropriate uh, for us to bring something to the table, for example. Like if you were invited to a wedding banquet, now a formal wedding banquet, uh, can you imagine going to the dinner after the wedding and kind of taking in a crock pot of macaroni and cheese with you? you say, Excuse me, you have a place I can plug this in, maybe by the presents or something? I just brought something, you know, for us to share. That would just not be appropriate, right? Because be, you would understand that everything that, that you would eat and partake of was already prepared for you. You don't need to bring a side dish. Or just imagine you were invited to a dinner banquet uh, at the White House. You know, you're going to a presidential dinner banquet. Can you imagine uh, approaching the, the man who takes up your invitation and uh, you have a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola and say, where should I put the drink? Is there a drink table somewhere? It just would not be appropriate because you know you've been invited to this banquet and it's not expected of you to bring anything to the table. You don't have to bring a side dish or a beverage or a dessert or whatever, whatever it may be. All throughout the scripture, you see the biblical writers using metaphors of food and drink to help us understand uh, deeper things. To help us understand what it means and, and what our need is to know God personally and to have a relationship with Him. They, they use these metaphors of food and drink and dinner banquets and dinner parties. And um, One of the writers that, that uses this type of metaphor is the writer Isaiah. And so if you would turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and as you do that, I want to give you a little context context for the passage we're going to be in this morning. In this portion of the book of Isaiah, he is speaking to the people of God who are in Babylon, and he is telling them that God is offering forgiveness for your sin. And as he moves into Isaiah 55, he's starting to tell them, this is how you can experience God's forgiveness. Okay, And so in Isaiah 55, here's what he says. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Just imagine a busy marketplace there in Babylon, and Isaiah approaches this large group of people going to and fro trying to accomplish all types of things. And he throws out an interruption. 
which that first word of the verse says come. Other translations uh, use a different translation for that word. It could be used more modern day language. It could be used as, excuse me, or can I have your attention? It's an interjection. It's, he's trying to get their attention. He's bringing interruption into their busyness. And he's saying, there has been a banquet prepared for you. And I want to invite you to it. I want to interrupt all your busyness. All that you're trying to run to for satisfaction. I want to interrupt that. And I want to invite you to the banquet that God himself has prepared for you. And you can come and be satisfied. In other words, this is a banquet that it would be inappropriate to bring anything with you. This is a, this is a banquet where you would just come and eat. And partake of what is there for you. Now you may ask, well, how can I buy something? Someone may say to Isaiah even, how can I buy something? How can I buy water, milk, bread, wine? How can I buy this without money? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, he says, the way you could do that, and the way we could do that in a regular banquet, is if someone were to purchase it for us, right? If someone has already bought the food bought the beverages, prepared it. All we needed to do was come and partake. That's how we would buy without price. Buy it without money. You don't need to bring anything to the table to participate in this type of banquet. Now, if we, if we stay up here with the metaphor of food and drink, we understand that. We understand that our bodies need food and drink to survive and to thrive and develop. But Isaiah is using this metaphor of food and drink to help us understand a deeper reality about ourselves. And to kind of bring more of a, a fuller meaning to what Isaiah is saying, I want to visit a few other scripture passages that I think will shed some light on what Isaiah is trying to communicate. And what I want you to do is I just want you to sit there and just listen to these verses you know, let them just wash over you and just imagine the writers and what they're saying. The first one comes from the Psalms, Psalm 42. This is what the psalmist says. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In John 4, when Jesus interacts with the woman at the well, listen to what He says to her. Everyone who drinks this water, referring to the water in the well, will be thirsty Again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A couple chapters later, John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So all throughout the scripture, you see these writers using hunger and thirst to try to explain something much deeper 
an appetite and a thirst within each of us that is much deeper than just craving food or drink. We all have this appetite. Our souls all have this craving. We're made to be nourished by one source. And that source is God alone. And without that, without coming to the banquet table, so to speak, of who God is and being united with Him, our souls will not develop, will not come alive, will be malnourished, will suffer, and will ultimately die. Listen to the next part of Isaiah's message in verse 2 in Isaiah 55. He says, Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Again, just picture Isaiah in the marketplace, the bustling marketplace, and he's saying, excuse me, come, come to this banquet that God's provided for you. That's the only source of satisfaction. This is the only way you can experience the abundant life that God offers. You must come to Him. Why do you spend your money and your labor on that which doesn't satisfy? So we all have this appetite within us that is meant to be linked to God as our source, and yet it can lead us astray. As you know, as you may know, I have three children. And one job of a parent, at least one, there are many, but one job is to teach your children how to eat properly. Now, if I were to offer my child a fish or a piece of chocolate, you know, which, which one is he going to choose? Of course, which one will you choose? <laughs> you might choose the chocolate. Well, but if you allow your child to continually choose the chocolate and not provide your child with nutritious food and teach them that this is what you need to develop and thrive, you know your child will be sickly. You know, he, he or she will be malnourished. And we've seen people who are malnourished. You've seen pictures on television where you know, bodies are ransacked because they do not have the nourishment they need. And so what Isaiah is saying is, if you continue to feed on the sugar, on the chocolate, and you never tap into that which has nutritional value for your soul, you will be malnourished. You cannot experience the satisfaction and the peace and the life that God gives you unless you tap into the true source, the true food. The true drink. Our appetites can lead us astray if we allow them. And Isaiah just interrupts these people who are hoarding and feasting on sugar and he invites them, he invites them to the banquet of God. You know, he interrupts these people who are clinging to the temporary pleasure and security of the world. And they're missing the eternal pleasure and security and satisfaction that comes with God and God alone. This is truly an interruption, but at the same time, it's an invitation. Just notice how many times he says, come. Will you just, will you just come? All you have to do is come and partake of the banquet that's already been provided for you. Listen to what he says in verse 2. He says, Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. He reinvites the people. 
If you really want food that nourishes, if you really want to be satisfied, you must come to the banquet. Come eat rich food. You know, delight yourself in this. This is what you're made for. You know, Jesus, he gave some instruction in a parable that relates to this very well in Luke 14. And I want to read it to you. Jesus is attending a banquet that a ruler of the Pharisees is hosting. And this is what Jesus says. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Isn't that interesting? What he's saying here is, if you want to, if you want to host a banquet like the one that God hosts, then this is how you would have to do it. You would have to host a banquet and invite people to it that would not be able to repay you. That's grace. That's what grace is. I bring you in. I nourish your body. And you cannot repay me. That's a picture of the gospel. Jesus is saying, if you want to throw a banquet that is like the banquet that the Father's throwing, this is what it would be like. You invite people in who cannot repay you. And then he goes on and he tells them a parable. It says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So he's got this picture of the, this great feast that God is providing, still using that metaphor of, of eating. And then Jesus says this parable to him. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now this is, a, this is a powerful parable of Jesus, but just like Isaiah, Jesus is telling the people that God has prepared something for you and the invitation has gone out. And now you need to respond. Will you come? Or will you make excuses? Will you come and experience life the way it was intended to be experienced and lived and enjoyed? 
Or will you make excuses? Will you look for satisfaction and meaning, for example, in your work, rather than the work that God has done for you on your behalf through Christ? Or will you look for significance and satisfaction in your relationships, rather than having a relationship with God? See, God is the only food and drink our soul needs to come alive and thrive and and be nourished. The question is, you know, will we come? Will we come to the banquet? Or will we continue to make excuses? Uh, in, the, uh, in the sixth book of, of his Chronicles of Narnia series, C.S. Lewis gives us a glimpse of what I think the prophet Isaiah is saying. There are two children, Eustace Scrub and Jill Pole. And they are in this just miserable school environment. And Eustace comes to Jill and says, I know of this other place that I've been to once. Would you like to go? And so, after some different events, they are transported from this miserable school environment to the world of Narnia. And after another series of events, Jill is left on the forest floor by herself and extremely thirsty. Now, if you can picture this forest, it's, it's filled with huge trees, but there's not much undergrowth. And Jill is laying there, and as she's laying there, she hears the faint running of a stream. And so she gets up and she begins to make her way toward this stream. And as she approaches the stream, she notices that there's a big lion laying on the shore or on the bank of the stream between her and the water. And as she gazes at this great lion, as her eyes move towards this lion, she recognizes that he is looking right back at her. And then he speaks. And this is what he says. He says, Are you not thirsty? Said the lion. I am dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do? Said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well ask the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come, said Jill? I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had had come a step nearer. Do you eat girls, she said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting or if it was sorry, nor if it were angry, it just said it. I dare not come and drink, Jill said. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. 
Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. And the point that we see here is the same point that Isaiah is making. That Jesus is the only stream where any of us can come and never be thirsty again. He is the only one that can provide life, eternal life. He is the only bread that will satisfy your soul's hunger. This theme is all throughout the scripture. And even as you come to the very end of the scripture in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John ends with this statement. He says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The picture here is of a banquet that God has prepared for me and you. The idea is that we find our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our meaning, all that we're meant to be is all wrapped up in the person of Christ. God has sent out the invitation. It has come through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And the question that is always before our minds is, will you come? Will you take and enjoy this banquet table that God has provided, this great meal? Or will you be satisfied with the candy of the world that will suck the life out of your soul? So as we sing our hymn of, our hymn of response this morning, I want, I want to ask you to come. I want to ask you to respond to God how He would have you to respond. Are you making excuses? Are you going elsewhere for your satisfaction? Come if you are thirsty and drink the waters that will cause you to never thirst again. I'll be at the front if you would like to talk to me about what this looks like to come to know Christ personally or if you would like to join this church. So let us respond to God how He would have you to respond as we sing together.